Hello and welcome to Jackcast, your Swansea City podcast. I'm Matt Brocco and this evening I'm joined by Steve Carroll. Evening. Evening. This promises to be a bit of a surprisingly upbeat podcast, isn't it, uh, Steve? Just after the first leg of the playoff semi-final. And, um, well, I don't think any of us actually predicted a victory away to Barnsley, but that's what we got. Uh, A solid display, um, a good defensive performance. And a cracker of a of a winning goal, and um, all in all, a, a brilliant night's work for Steve Cooper and the boys. Yeah, um, you can't argue with that, really. I know I predicted a one 0 but it was the other way, of course. So uh, more than happy to be proved wrong. But it was a it was really a typical Swans performance, wasn't it? I mean, in terms of uh, what we've done this season, we we didn't really create a lot, but then what we did create, we we managed to find a goal and. And defensively, we we did very well and uh, restricted them. They didn't have that many great chances, really. So it was uh, a typical, you know, uh, Swans performance, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't think we were completely off colour with our predictions uh, last week because we did say um, that we expected it to be quite a tense, cagey affair. And to be fair, it, it was, wasn't it? It wasn't any. There was only one bit of of, of quality during the whole game, really, which was the an Andrea goal. The rest of it, the ball spent a long time in the air. Uh, no one really wanted to keep the ball in possession. It felt like every other touch was a clearance. It just, just panicking, maybe nerves. Uh, why, what do you attribute to that? I know neither team really have been uh, have been you know lauded for you know sexy football this year, but but still, it seemed to be ridiculously uh, ridiculously low passing percentages and uh, even attempts at playing football. Yeah. Um... When I got back from uh, the railway last night, my father was watching the um, the highlights on Quest, and there was a stat on there that said, I think Barnsley's pass percentage completion was about forty four percent, and ours was forty seven percent. Just like that, that's pretty abysmal. That's like proper lower league standard, really, isn't it? I mean, so, just for context, I think we're looking normally. You're looking around about between seventy five and eighty, aren't you, or somewhere around those numbers? Would you expect, or was it? Is that a bit ambitious? You'd expect a lot higher than that, wouldn't you? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you're giving the ball away more often than you're keeping it. Because <laughs> they, they weren't even they weren't even like passes, were they? They were just lumps up the pitch a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah that's that's what I mean. It's uh, there wasn't really an intention for it. No, Barnsley have been quite long ball all season, and they so obviously they've they've made it work for us. And we we've said many times we're not exactly this easy on the eye side anymore either. So. Yeah, um, it was it was surprising to see how many long balls there were. I mean, obviously from our point of view, understandably, when we were getting bombarded, we were just going to get rid of it. But we probably did do it, you know, more often than what we would like. But the, the way we've got to look at it, when there's a, like a three-game mini-season to end, and when one team goes up, I think style of play and stuff like that. As much as I do care about it, it sort of gets parked on the back burner, doesn't it? Because mm. you know when. We have to probably do what we've been good at all season. That's the reason why we got in there. And we, we sort of need to, to stick to it. And if that takes us up, then and so be it. We'll, I suppose we'll worry about um, you know, the rest of it um, in the summer once uh, the season's over. But, you know, it was it's pretty staggering stats and that you can't look at it any other way, can you? No, you can't. I don't want it to be a, a negative slant. It's at least just an observation on the way we saw the game develop. But um, to take it to a positive, I mean, it, I, I suppose, as you were saying there, Barnsley wanted it to be a bit of a scrap because that's what they've uh, 
they've they've they that's how they've got where they are and um and Swans going away in a playoff semi final first leg, we're more than happy to oblige because um the bittier the game um and the less advantage that could be gained from Barnsley actually stringing anything together uh, would be better for us, wouldn't it? But um as the game panned out, uh, one thing that did shine through very brightly was um the Swans defensive display, not no less the uh the two centre halves that uh Cabango uh, and Gehi. Um, we'll talk about the the formation a little bit, but um, those two kept DK uh, very quiet, very frustrated, and uh, you know as much as he tried to irritate our defence, we just we had him in in, in our pockets all night, didn't we? Yeah, we we did superbly, really. I mean, Gehi has been a beast all season, really, hasn't he? For me, he's been our best player. He deserves the Player of the Year award, and he stepped up again. And I mean, I think there were. You know, maybe one or two question marks about the inclusion of Cabango, but he was superb as well. Um, we headed everything out. It was it was just a brilliant like defensive performance, as I say. They 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 more than had the number of uh, the bands, the attackers, and um, you know they they deserve a lot of credit because you know they're both still you know very young men. It's probably the biggest game any of them have played in. That's certainly a club level. You would have thought and. Um, yeah, they they more than stood um, up to the challenge, really. So that was that was really encouraging, and uh, obviously we'll be looking for more of the same on um, on Saturday. Yeah, let's let's reserve um, special credit for uh, for Freddie Woodman as well, Steve. Who you know we've we've questioned at times during the season. Um, there was no question in him last night. Was there? He was spot on with uh, with almost everything he did. Actually, he. Um, not only made some crucial saves, but also he read the game superbly. He was fast off his line to stop some moves uh, developing into real chances before they could. He was like um, Manuel Neuer, wasn't he? He was just, every time there was a ball over the top, he just seemed to be coming out to making sure that um, he won the ball. Because, you know, any situation like that, you get it wrong. It could either be a red card or, or a goal, potentially. So, you know, it can be risky at times, but... Woodman had arguably his best game for us, certainly his best game for a while. Because if we're honest, we you know we've stuck the boot into him a bit on this podcast because his performances haven't been as good as uh, they needed to be. But he really stepped up last night, didn't he? Made some big saves. I know the the double save in particular um, early in the second half that was you know a, a big moment. And um, there were a couple of crosses. He seemed to be more confident last night, really. So that that was you know very important if we were going to go there and keep a clean sheet and. Um, yeah, I think Woodman has, um, has certainly made people a lot more confident because he'd, uh, he certainly hasn't been great, I would say, over the last few months. But um, he really did the business for us last night, so he deserves a lot of credit. Does does he did uh, everything he did was 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 superb, which um, which was great to see because I think the defenders playing as they did give him the confidence, and and what him doing what he was doing give the defenders confidence, and between them, I think. Um, they really did a number on on Barnsley's attack. Um, we did discuss in the last part the the question over what formation we'd go with, and I think we split really whether we would go back to the tried and tested or stick with the uh, the more um, recently utilised four three three. It was the latter that um, that Cooper decided to go with, um, which was a bit of a surprise to to, to plenty, I'm sure, with with the likes of um, Connor Roberts missing out um, because you'd expect, you know, you know one of if not the player of the season to be playing in the biggest game of the season so far but um but no he, he favored Cal Norton which 
uh, the well it raised eyebrows before the game. You could understand, given that um, it looked like Cooper was well when you're playing with a flat back four and not flying wing backs. You you really want someone back there who's who's solid, very solid defensively, and that's not um, a slight on, on on Roberts. Roberts' strength for us, though, I feel is uh, is getting up the pitch, and it wasn't something that he wanted our um, our defenders to do last night, and. Um, in, in fairness to Norton, he was uh, he was superb, and um, and in, I say he didn't want him to get up the pitch. He actually provided the assist, so you know it was just um, it was just a great uh, defensive display all round, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I mean, there, there were some big calls. I think from from Cooper, we weren't really sure what he was going to do. I mean, I think I was one of the ones that said um, going back to a back five would have made sense, really, but. You know, the manager's paid to make these decisions and you have to say that got it right. I mean, leaving out Roberts was a big call. I do think in a back four, you know, I, I do understand why he may have left him out because he does go forward a lot and it can leave you sometimes exposed. I know that's a little bit uh, harsh, but I think when he plays a wing back, it gives him more of a license to get forward, really. We're not mm. as exposed then. Um, playing Cabango instead of Bennett was a big call, really, but again, Cabango didn't put a foot wrong, did he? So you have to say that Cooper... Did do a very good job, and I think the the Norton pass for the AU goal was a bit of an added bonus, really, because I don't think we were expecting that. But um, yeah, from from the manager's point of view, it was, it was a, a very good night's work. He, he made some bold decisions and paid off handsomely. Yeah, the, and and the AU goal, Steve, was um, was was just was just a bit of class, wasn't it? But you know, we 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 watch him week in week out, and while he can drift in and out of games, one thing you would say. If you if you watched him at all, is just do not let him get on his left foot if he's if he's in the box like that, and um, he does it time and time and time again, and and defenders just seem not to learn. It's a naivety at best from Barnsley's point of view, isn't it? They should have shown him down the wing and uh, and made him cross that ball in, but uh, they didn't. They let him cut in on his left, and the rest is history. Yeah, you'd probably say, wouldn't you, that if there was like a, a standard Andrew goal, it's it's that in receiving the ball. Um, arguably maybe on the edge of the box and then he gets the opportunity to cut inside onto that left foot and to have a shot and obviously that's what he did it was it was a lovely finish wasn't it I mean right into the far opposite corner if you, if you catch it as well as that then it's going to be difficult really for a goalkeeper to save it and uh, you know, I didn't think AU in general was you know had a, a brilliant game should we say but he just pops up with these moments doesn't he and um, you know that little bit of class there proved to be um the difference, and you think if we are going to see this through, and if we are going to end up back in the Prem, then you think he's going to have to play well in the next couple of games because he's he is such a big player for us, isn't he? Well, a calculated risk it's been, isn't it? Potter didn't get the luxury of him, of course, but uh, Cooper has the last two seasons, and it's been a very expensive risk to take um, to keep him on. I know we couldn't find. Uh, it seems as if we couldn't find a suitable party to take him off our hands, but. Um, but if it ends up with us in the Premier League, it would have paid itself over ten times over, Steve, because um, it would sort the club out financially for um, as long as we're sensible this time around for another, you know, for another generation. You'd think. Yeah, the the funny thing is, obviously, you'd have to say that the AU transfer up until now has been pretty disastrous because obviously we paid eighty million to to keep him. Oh, sorry, to to bring him in and. Um, obviously keep us in the, the Prem, which didn't happen. And then obviously his wages have you know, cost us a lot of money over the last uh, few years. And this is obviously where the parachutes run out. So we need to try and get back in the Prem if we can. Obviously, he's going to go on free if we don't. 
but if he does take us back up then obviously in a it would have, wouldn't have worked out how it would have been planned, but at the same time, it wouldn't have been a, a, a terrible move to have brought him back. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a funny one, really, isn't it? We, we just need him, hopefully, to um, shine over the next couple, and then you know, what, what will be will be after that. Yeah, and, you know, I, I, I say the question marks are over the, 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 the formation and the personnel. Um way the game went last night and, and looking at the way the game went, uh, Barnsley seems to have a particular way of playing. Both games against Barnsley for the Swans were played I think quite close to each other, weren't they? Um, this season, within a few weeks of each other, and both were on absolute bogs of pitches, so you could be forgiven for thinking maybe the pitches led to what were very um, how would you say, uh, <laughs> interesting games of football, if you like, uh, in terms of our games against them in the league. But from last night, it looked like it wasn't the pitch at all that was perhaps, it was just the style of play that Barnsley have, um, have taken to and, and you know and, and been successful with. So in that regard, I can't see too much changing down the Liberty on Saturday, Steve. And uh, I'd be tempted to go with as much of the same team as we, as we can because um, Barnsley struggled to threaten and we, you know, whilst we were caught in a game of hoofball, you know, you, you have to say on paper at least that we offer that sort of threat when you've got three men up top, which allows a player like Andre you to find himself one-on-one with the last defender where he can nip around him and curl it into the bottom corner. And um, the three men up top, regardless of how involved in the game they were last night, there's no doubt that that... Uh, that contributed to it because you, you have to occupy more men then. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the way that we have to look at it now is obviously we don't need to chase the game. So in that sense, I'm not saying we should go super cautious, but at the same time, we don't need to take needless risks. I mean, I, I remember the game last year with Brentford, obviously we're in a similar position. I know we played at home first, but we were 1-1-0 and we got a free kick, didn't we? And um, I think mm. we gambled everybody forward and we ended up um, conceding on um, on the break and that sort of undid us. And to be honest, we didn't really learn that lesson last night, did we? Um, if you think of some of the corners that we had that were abysmally yeah. And then obviously they seemed to break on us. So we, we got away with it because Barnsley didn't make the most of it. But you know, we, we don't need to, to massively go for it. I mean, there's no point making changes, I would say. I think we're, we should probably stick with things as it is. I mean, I think if we draw nil-nil, it could be a case to make a couple of changes just because obviously we would need a goal at some point unless we're prepared to shit those ourselves towards penalties and then you know take that type of gamble. But um, yeah, I, I think we should just stick with how, how things are. I mean, there's a lot of players on the bench anyway, isn't there, if we need to um, to make changes. I think the only one I'd consider maybe taking out would be Hooverham because I didn't think he was very good again last night. And um you know, the fact is maybe we don't need a goal. We could arguably bring Smith into the midfield there. That's the only one I think of doing. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, the yeah, it's all set up, isn't it? I mean, the both games actually are on a on a bit of a knife edge. Uh, the way they panned out. Um, and I I I'd make the argument perhaps that in the whole football calendar, national and domestic, there are very few occasions that beat a playoff semi-final second leg Steve it, it, you know you, you've you've played 46 games which is unlike your international competitions and whatnot. so and the whole nine month slog through your Tuesday Saturday Tuesday Saturday calendar has come down to 90 minutes and when you 
when you chase that, you do you do see so often that everything goes on the line in the semi-final second leg, doesn't it? So I'm I'm buzzing for Saturday. I think I think no matter what happens, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a great spectacle. I'm sure millions will tune in because uh, they just they just everyone has to put everything on the line, don't they? Yeah, well, I'm going to tell you something now that will probably be quite nervous and probably everyone else, so I'm going to have to apologise first. But um, a friend of mine was telling me earlier that Barnsley have actually, they've never won a home um, playoff game, but they, their record away is pretty good. I think they've won nearly all of them away from home. So mm. they'll, that's a, that's a very strange stat, isn't it? I do remember when we played them in 2006, when they lost at home to Huddersfield in the first game, and they ended up winning the second one, and that put them through to the final. So, yeah, Barnsley's record is pretty good away from home, and yeah, historically, whether that means anything now, I don't know. But um, yeah, um, we've seen it, you know, in the past, as you say. I mean, there's been a lot of legendary turnarounds, and I remember Leeds and Derby a couple of years ago was one that stood out, and Leeds yeah. won away from one nil, didn't they? I think, and then Derby uh, come back and uh, won four two or something like that on the night that um, Ellen Road. That's certainly what a standout one. I remember it being a great game, but. Um, yeah, you just don't know what you do. It's uh, you can't count your chickens anyway. No, you can't. But um, no, it's going to be great anyway. It, you know, we've got some fans at least back in the stadium. Uh, good luck to everyone who's applied to the ballot. Um, just make sure when you go, like you know, you make a lot of noise and you make it awkward and you make it uncomfortable <laughs> because. Um, we couldn't hear the the crowd on the TV screen last night, Steve, could we? Um, but uh, from what I've seen on social media, Barnsley fans did just that, and they, they you know they made their feelings vented to the ref on all the fouls that were given against them and stuff, and um, and and we needed um, we needed a strong ref to make sure he didn't sway too much their way, and um, it, so in in that respect, it's uh, it, it could potentially work, you know, as as an advantage even with only. You know, three thousand or so fans. If um, if those fans are turning up passionate and, and ready to give their all as the players on the pitch. Yeah, I'm sure everyone who is lucky enough to you know get a ticket will be up for it at the end of the day. We've all been at least fourteen months without going to a game. I'm sure there'll be some who've been even longer. So you know, everyone's going to be looking forward to. It. I mean, you're not going back for a you know a boring end of season game like a lot of the Premier League fans will be. I mean, going back for a huge game. So you know, everyone who does get a ticket, I'm sure will be. Uh, well, that's it, and um, hopefully we can, you know, use that to our advantage as well. Yeah. Um, well, let's have a talk about the other game, Brentford-Bournemouth, um, because obviously we've got a vested interest in that one as well. We had a bit of discussion, didn't we? We weren't really sure who who we wanted to progress there, um, all being well, and, and, and fingers crossed and touch wood, etc., about the Swans um, being able to go get past Barnsley uh, on Saturday. Um I'm kind of I'm kind of split on it because I feel like um, over the course of the season Brentford have been the stronger team, the more threatening team, the one that you know can cut teams open at will, um, more so than Bournemouth. But then you come to this business end of the season where we saw last year Brentford just just had a bit of a wobble at the crucial moment at the end of the season, and um, and it's happened again this year. Um, Bournemouth have got the experience, haven't they? They've got the Premier League experience in their ranks. They've got older heads, you know, that have been there and done it. And you just perhaps feel that when it comes to a Wembley final, Bournemouth may be less faced by the occasion than, than Brentford would be, who, 
you know, obviously got there last time round um, and and missed out to Fulham, but um, but I I wonder maybe if it would work in our favour to to play Brentford, even though they look the more dangerous team dangerous team to me. I the, the truth is I really don't know. I mean, I think that the, the best two football insides in the playoffs are definitely those two. I mean, I mean if you look at it. Brentford, I know we've had two draws of them earlier this season. If we're honest, in the game at the Liberty, they absolutely battered us, didn't they? Mm. So that concerns me. And then I think Bournemouth, we had a nil-nil at home that one. Great, that there they, they gave us either, and then we lost three-nil. So you know, I think either of those two would be very difficult to beat. Um, but it's a one-off, and if we if we end up getting there, of course, we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. I think you know what would be will be really won it, and um, we just got to concentrate on our our own game and then worry about the final if we um, end up getting there. But, you know, I think we're, uh, we should all feel quietly confident. I think when, when you've won the first leg, especially when it's away, you should be very disappointed then if you don't end up uh, progressing to the final. But as I've said, we, we have seen it happen in the past. So, you know, it's um, it's a funny one in that the playoffs can, you see things that you, you certainly don't expect. I mean, if you look back at the time that we went up to the Prem, of course, it was the red card in the first game, wasn't it? And then in the second game, it was, um, I think, Forrest could have equalised at the end and then Prattley scored. Probably one of the most iconic goals and moments in the Swans' history. And then you look at the final, the three up, you're thinking, oh, we're definitely going to go up. I remember having messages on my phone from people saying, um, oh, well done, you're, de- you're going to be in the Brem. And I wasn't believing it because I know what the Swans are like, even though I didn't think it would uh, go uh, barely up, but it nearly did. And... Um, yeah, never uh, expect, uh, what should we say, always expect the unexpected with this football club because uh, it's just a bit mad. Worries me because, it, it, you know, whatever, how long it's been, 20, 25 years or near enough, whatever, now following the Swans. And you feel like um, we've never done it straightforward and we've never done it the easy way, Steve. <laughs> so to get past Barnes, you just have to wonder what hiccup's going to come in the way now, you know? Well, yeah, that's the thing. We, um, you know, the Swans are a crazy club to to follow and probably to report on if you're a journalist as well. I mean, it's, it feels like there's never a dull moment. I mean, you look at last season where only the Swans could have somehow overturned a five-goal deficit in 25 minutes. Um, I know we needed a little bit of help from uh, Stoke as well, but I mean that that just shouldn't have happened, should it? I mean, it's uh, it's crazy. And then the other point I'd make is earlier in the season we were top of the league, Stoke were bottom. They had one in 16 games. We scored in the first minute. And of course then, even though that's happened, we have to be the ones to end the windless run. Because for some reason, that's what we do. I don't know why. but uh, That, yeah. if anything, that is one thing that's very predictable about the Swans. If in, a, in a sea of unpredictability, you can bet your house on Swans losing top versus bottom games when we are the team on the top. Yeah, or, or, or when a team's gone so long and a manager's facing the sack, as we saw... With, uh... Yeah, but let's be honest about it. I mean, I did. I was worried all week thinking this would be typical of us. But he, after we scored in the first minute, even I was thinking, well, surely now we will not lose this game. And we still <laughs> did. Yeah, yeah, it does. It, it, it gives you a little bit of a jittery cause for concern when you think, right, okay, so how is this, how is this second leg going to suddenly become uh, interesting and controversial? Because... Um, it certainly, it certainly won't be a cost in home. Barnsley will make sure of that. Um, yeah, it's um, it's a wonder really because I mean, everyone to a man seemed to turn up last night, 
and uh, and 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 fight tooth and nail for that win. Um, which is which is interesting because um, we didn't really give ourselves a great deal of hope there. We just wanted to keep it tight. Keep you know maybe if we were going to lose, go down to the single goal because if we needed to score multiple goals. Um, just to just to get level with Barnsley, we haven't done that all season, so you'd have to question whether or not that was, you know, feasible for us to achieve, you know. Um, but you know, we we did, we did beat them, did, and and, and perhaps it, it felt almost a bit like Steve, we were we were playing against the tide because of the four teams um, in the playoffs. Swansea were probably the uh, the least popular choice and among the neutrals it seems to to go up um you know everyone obviously wants a, a Barnsley or Brentford to get there because they've not been there and you know and Barnsley's story this season's great um Brentford is a, obviously a big media loving with them anyway um and they've been there for a couple of years now so you'd think maybe it's their time but uh, not a lot of love out there for Swansea to win the playoffs Steve no, um, to be honest, I can understand why. I mean, our football's not the easiest on the eye. A lot of people are probably thinking, oh, well, Swansea have been up uh, before in the near uh, past. Probably thinking more back to the last couple of years that we were in there where, again, we were not the easiest on the eye. And they probably think, oh, they'd like to see somebody else in there. So, you know, I can I can understand that. But, uh, you know, um, and that's against the world mentality. It doesn't always do any harm because... You know, I think that's always sort of served us well previously because we feel like we, you know, no, not many other people are going to give us credit in this part of the world. Not even from our own media. Certainly, a certain head of sport is never going to give us any credit. So, um, yeah, we have to sort of, you know, get in people's faces, I suppose, in terms of what we uh, do and make sure we we shout about our achievements. And um, you know, maybe we'll uh, we'll do it again. Certainly, I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting anyway. There's so many questions Cooper to answer. You know, everyone banging on his door this week now asking um, asking for a shot in the second leg. Um, let's just hope the game lives up to the expectations because um, I just I think that I think it's great. I think the second leg of a semi final is uh, is one of the events of the year. Um, it often overshadows the actual final. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm buzzing for it. Um, we were actually talking last night when we were, I can't remember how we got there, John. So we were a couple of drinks in by the time, but we were we were we were talking about um, uh, a song, Zoe Steve, that uh, we're playing down um, down the vet. We started with the, uh, the 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 medley that was played five minutes before kickoff, and we found out um, the name of the song. I'm hoping now, by the way, because we're doing this before uh, edited by Dan. I'm hoping that this podcast has started off with that medley. If Dan's managed to get it up, brilliant. And um and 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 that medley is played for you so you know what we're talking about already. Um but we got to chatting didn't we and, and we were talking again today and there's one that's been bugging you for, for forever that you only know um the 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 cadences to there's no real words to it so how do you really find out what it's called because <laughs> you know unless you sing into your microphone and shazam it and hope it picks it up but obviously that wasn't uh that wasn't gonna work so um but you you found that out but we i decided to have a bit of bit of fun with it didn't i and put it on put it on twitter on the jackcast account and ask ask about pre-match during the match post-match songs that were played down the uh down the old vetch field um 
hoping we'd get a couple of responses and people take a trip down memory lane. Uh, it was far more popular than I even I anticipated, actually. Um, <laughs> a lot of, like, amazing memories. A lot of people remembering how it was. And you go, I forgot about that one. I forgot about that one. I spent a lot of time on YouTube searching up the names of songs, which I, I knew the song, but I never knew what it was called. So when people were sending them over, I was like, what's that one? What's that one? I was like, of course, yes. Yes, I remember this. I remember that. And um, some some cracking suggestions on Steve. Yeah, they were. It was uh, like I was going through the thread thing myself. Oh, yeah, that's I remember that. Or then, or like you said, really, there was a couple where you don't know the names to them. You say, oh, yeah, oh, so that's what that's called, and all um, that type of thing. Really. So yeah, I think it's you sort of associate the music that used to get played on you with the the whole experience, and um, you know, certainly, obviously, as time goes on, the, some of the songs that get played change. Not they, obviously, I don't think a lot of them should be changed sometimes because they're. Some of them are just complete classics. Daydream Believer being one, and why that was ever consigned to um, not being played was, uh, well, I have no idea why that decision was made, quite frankly. I'm glad it's been brought back more in recent years and it should always uh, have its place pre match. But um, yeah, I think there's certainly some classics there, isn't there, that uh, you know, people used to um, enjoy. And as I say, they're, they're part of the, the whole experience, really, are they? And um, you know, certainly a few that uh, stand out. Yeah, absolutely. To check it out on the Jackass Twitter account, by the way, because um, as uh, as I'm talking, yeah, there's been 28 responses um, to that, so there's plenty there. Didn't even know there were that many songs, but of course it spans different eras as well at the Vetchfield. There's some that I, I never knew were ever played. Um, I was I've been reliably informed that early 90s uh, on a defeat. Uh, they used to play um, REM. Everybody, everybody hurts, which uh, I can't, I can't quite get my head around because um, as 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 my you know, I like I like REM. But uh, if you've just lost the game of football and you're feeling quite down about it, the last song I want to be listening to is uh, is a bit of depressing music like that. So um, I'm, I'm perhaps good that that's been consigned to history, even though uh, even though it's a cracking song, it's um it's not one I want to hear after a, a sickening defeat, Steve. Um, but most of them were um most of them were, were things we recognised, weren't they? And um yeah, it's on the Jackcast Twitter account, uh, and and there's still more re- responses coming in. So um have a look at that. It's uh it's great, and thanks for everyone who's um who's contributed to that as well because it's been um it's been a fun afternoon of. Uh, Taking that trip down memory lane, uh, it wasn't just um, the songs, is it? Because it put you in a place, didn't it, Steve? It, when you heard the song that someone mentioned, you, you you remember where you were when you when you heard it and what you were doing and certain pre-match music. You could remember. Well, actually, that was always played five to three, so I always remember walking up the steps when that song was coming on, etc. To you know, I'd get to my place in the North Bank, etc. So it, it really painted a visual picture, didn't it? Yeah, it did. I mean, you, look, you think back to, I think it was called the Triumphal March from Ida, which I would never have got. That was the one that. That's the one you were looking for, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that was the like the brass band, and um, that would get played every time we scored. And you just think of, well, I don't know what the hell that is, but you just think of that coming on when when a goal would go in, or sometimes it would come on. I think maybe uh, just before the start of the second half, or or something like that. And you just you could hear that anyway. And the first thing I would think of is the vetch, basically. So, yeah, that's, you know, like I said, that, that takes you back. I mean, I think I tried to shazam it off the West Ham FA Cup highlights, and that was being played 
blasted when we scored and at full time. <laughs> With the with the, all the crowd and all the background noise and all the commentary noise, it, it was never really going to work, was it? No, I don't think it was. But you know, it was it was incredibly loud, and obviously everyone's going mad for it because that's what used to happen on the bench. And like you say, it would take you back to certain ones. I remember the the Hull game where where um, the Welsh national anthem was playing, for example, before the game. I think that's the only time it ever happened. But that was there to get everyone up for it. And obviously, there was a, a rousing daydream believer, which it was the bog standard one, and as you say, the, the medley of um, welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends, which I'd completely forgotten about, but that used to get played every week, didn't it? And yeah, we've it's, it has been interesting looking at all those ones. I mean, there's there's a few shouts in there that are slightly before our time as well. So, as you say, with the REM one, for example, and um, you know, and obviously the the great one is every time we win, we uh, borrow a beautiful day by uh, the labelers, which is still going to this day, and that it's been uh. I think it's over 20 years now that we've been playing that as our like victory song, and uh, yeah, it's it's certainly um, you know it's, it's a rare one because I've never heard it played anywhere else, and so it's, no. it feels like it's ours then, doesn't it? And there's obviously some in there that that got played infrequently as well, which could still put you in a picture, you know. Um, sometimes they they take us down a, a trip of playing, especially if you if you know you you're playing an important game and it's it's some sort of uh, to to drill, drill up some national pride or whatever. You they play a few Welsh songs as well to um, to get you going for them, um, which would happen on occasion. But uh, no, it's great ones so like stuff like Swords of a Thousand Men, which um, Swans FC Jake put up, which. It's great because, as he as he rightly said in his uh, in his follow up tweet, it's actually on TV at the moment on a Butlins advert, um, and I've seen the advert, and he's right. It does. As soon as I saw the advert, I, the first thing I thought of was the Vetch and the Swans. So, um, no, it's been great. In fact, if you think of upon, um, you know, this is this is definitely this Twitter thread here. Now, this is like mixtape territory. You could go through your picking all the songs off, chucking them on a CD, and. Uh, that's one to keep in the car for an away trip next season, I think, Steve. Yeah, I think there's there's definitely potential for a playlist here. I think uh, certainly if we can get a bus going back to away games when uh, the world has become normal again, that could uh, go down uh, like a storm, I think. Oh, yeah, if you are um, you know listening to this now, whatever day we get this out, and you do have any uh, suggestions, do check them on there. We'll keep an eye on it. Um, because it'll help our playlist <laughs> that we're going to make on the back of it. Shamelessly admitting that. Um, right, let's look ahead to the second leg of the uh, of the playoffs then. And, uh, of course, it's uh, back at the Liberty. Uh, crowds back in for the first time in 14, 15 months, Steve. And um, as I've already built, the uh, this playoff semi-final second leg as being some blockbuster affair. Um, it promises to be a, a cracking night, whether you're... Uh, one of the lucky ones in the ballot, whether you're watching it from home or you're watching it from a pub, which you're now allowed to go to, and um, wherever you are, I think you've got to find a, a method of watching that game. Oh yeah, I think uh, you know most of the city will be uh, will be watching. I would have thought on um, on Saturday evening, and uh, like I say, can't wait for it. Really, can we? I mean, it's it's always the thing, isn't it, with uh, with playoff games. The gap between the games just seems like it goes on forever. Obviously, it's only a you know a, a couple of days or, or three four days of that usually, but you, know, you just want that that second leg, don't you? Um, pretty quickly and uh, to sort of get on with it and find out uh, if we're going to be in the final or not. So yeah, bring it on, really. Yeah. Um, 
it's always nice to see as well when you're coming up to um, Swans games, important games. You've got ex-players uh, over social media, very, very complimentary, very, you know, wishing us the best and stuff. I was, you know, I'm a sucker for it. I love, I love seeing stuff like that. I know just off the top of my head, you had, um, you know, the likes of Brian Brewster. Obviously, you've got the, like, the Ollie McBurney types and um, uh, Ben Wilmot and stuff. They all, you know, Wishing Thomas as well. Goulton, uh, Boney, uh, to Guzman, yeah. I think, Chico, Izzy. Um, like I said, they're, they're just the ones off the, the top of my head, but they were they were quite a few. It was more than I thought, especially like the, the foreign ones, because you think, well, they're playing elsewhere now, they're not paying any attention to what we're doing. And then when you see that they are, you think, oh, okay, fair play, you're, uh, you're actually still keeping in touch and you, you want us to do well. You can't really argue with that. No, no, it's always nice to see, isn't it? It's nice, it's nice that they're not all. Um, not all cutting ties and they leave, and it does feel to be something different about um, Swansea than perhaps other clubs. That players do seem to keep a vested interest, don't they, in the Swans after they leave, which you don't always see, do you? No, you don't. And um, you know, it's it's just one of those things that's that's nice to see. We all like to believe that uh, players love the club and all this type of thing, and. You know, in most cases, they, they don't, and I'm sure they don't, even though they've sent these uh, nice little messages, but it does show that they, they care and they, I suppose, they enjoy their, their time here and they still look out for what we're doing. And, um, you know, it's always uh, a nice touch when you see that. Yeah, yeah. After that brief diversion, let's do actually get back to, we did have a little bit of support, at least, of someone for the game yesterday. We will have a lot of support from the same people and more, I'm sure, for the second leg on Saturday. Um what are your thoughts looking ahead to that? Um, I just think it'll be more of the same, really. Um, at some point, Barnsley are going to have to have a go at us. It does give us an opportunity on the break as long as we don't concede too early. So, yeah, I, I think it'll be another cagey tight affair. I mean, if we were to get a second goal, I mean, we, we really should be seeing it off then. I mean, we're, we're pretty good at seeing our leads. Or we are, in general, we have been for most of the season. So, yeah, that, that's how we've um, we've got to look at it. But um, you know, at the same time, I don't know if we want to play. It's, certainly, don't want to be playing for nil nil from the first whistle. I mean, I think if you do that, you're asking for trouble. It's a long time to go if you're just going to sit deep. So we've got to at least try and have a bit of a go, even if we don't gamble a crazy amount going forward. Maybe that we would if it was nil nil, for example. Yeah. Um, would you stick with the same four three three? Would you? Would you now be tempted to to make sure that defensive line? I mean, personally, I think I would go with what we what we went with um, yesterday. I would I wouldn't really change anyone that wasn't forced because um, you know if we can keep the game bitty and scrappy and keep that threat up front if should we need it, it's um, you know plays more to our advantage than Barnsley's. But how do you how would you do if you were in the manager's hot seat? Well, I mean, like I said earlier, really, I think I pretty much keep it the same. The only change I'd consider would be Smith the Hurrah because I don't think he was great last night. And I feel like sometimes we're, we're carrying him and he's playing based on uh, the fact he can offer a threat, but he didn't offer any sort of threat really last night. I thought the set pieces and stuff were poor and he didn't get involved enough. So I do wonder if we might be better putting him on the bench and then he can come on if um, if needs be, rather than if we start him and he doesn't do great, you take him off and then Barnsley get a, a goal. And you need, we need a goal or something like that. Then there's obviously he's off the pitch. I mean, I think that happened against Cardiff, didn't it? He started, then he picked up a knock, had to go off, and then we'll chase him. Then we needed a goal, and obviously he couldn't come on. So 
I think that might be the best option, really. Just bring Smith in for him and then everything else uh, leave the same. Do you know, the Horahan conundrum, what confuses me more, or it baffles me more than than, than his, um, you know, the way he drifts out of games and he can go invisible, is that I can't believe how few free kicks we get outside the box. And I, we seem to be getting two or three a game when we didn't have a, a good free kick take and we were left with Grimes or someone taking the free kicks. Um we seem to get them all the time, and now we've got someone there. You, you know, you you put good money on working the goalkeeper from twenty twenty five yards, and it just we just don't seem to get a single free kick in those areas anymore. It just it's baffling. Yeah, it is. It is baffling and frustrating, really. I suppose it's it's one of those things, isn't it? But that's that would be a big thing that he would obviously excel at. So you know, he did score a great free kick at Huddersfield, didn't he? Mm. So he, he obviously. I think Hurahan's one of those players that he brings moments rather than uh, playing well consistently. I mean, like I say, if you, if you get a free kick, you can provide a big moment there or another set piece or possibly a shot from long range, but he doesn't get involved enough. He does, he doesn't affect the game. He can be too much of a passenger, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be an option for uh, a bit of a change there and, and bring Smith in, as you say. Um do you expect Barnsley to, to, to divert away? Because we were talking about the the surprise of Cabango playing perhaps ahead of the likes of um of Bennett. But for me, um if you're coming up against a team that are just hitting high long balls um to the front man and not playing it down on the deck at all, as we saw last night, uh there's no one stronger in the air at the club than 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 Cabango. So you know he's uh, he's you know it's meat and drink for him. Those sort that sort of game. Yeah, and the other thing for Cavango as well is obviously he does offer a threat in the other box. I mean he scored didn't he against Barnsley earlier in the season up there. So I think that's a big thing. I think he's there were there's been other goals from him as well from from corners. So he's that's just an added bonus as well. But I mean as I've already said, he, he did do really well last night, and I think you know certainly in the air is one of his strong points. So. And against a long ball team, it does make sense to have him uh, play it. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's getting to that time in the podcast now. I really want to ask you how you see it going, but it's uh, it's nervy because um, of all we've spoken about and Swan's not doing it the easy way. Um, dare I ask? Prediction. Uh-huh. Oh, God. This is the thing. <laughs> I, my predictions are so are usually wrong. So what am I going to do? I'm going to say nil, nil. We'll get through. Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to go for the same score as 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 I went for um, as I went for the other day. I I think one all. I think we may actually score first. And then Barnsley get one in the second half when they throw in the kitchen sink at us and it makes us all a little bit nervy, or very nervy. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if something like that plays out, but 
Well, we sat here and we talked about no chance in games that we've gone on to win, and we talked about games that, you know, we should do this. We, we're better than these, and then we've we've lost embarrassingly. So, between me, you, and Gitta, we, we we've, we've not been great at calling it, have we? Um, this season, it seems to we seem to you know surprise surprise us every every week. So, um, you know, it, it I guess we just you know admit at this point that we really is a. We're really just pissing in the wind here, and we haven't got a clue how it's going to play out. Um, just that one thing is it, just that it's just not going to be straightforward, is it? Probably not, because as we said, we know what we're like, don't we? And um, expect the unexpected, so all will be revealed on um, on Saturday. I mean, uh, wouldn't be yeah. a shock. Wouldn't be a shock if it didn't go to plan. Oh dear, yeah, well, Swans are going to Wembley then for you. Well, we should get through now, shouldn't we? We would be the favourite now, even if we weren't going into the first leg, we will be now. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, if we don't get there, we we should be quite disappointed, I think, because we've done the the hardest bit by going up there and getting the result. So now all the pressure's on Barnsley. So, yeah, I think we'll all be disappointed if we don't get through. I think I would say there's probably an expectation now that we're going to get to the final amongst our fan base. There certainly should be, I would think. It's quite scary though, isn't it? Because we're talking about um expectation. I said about no one wanting us to beat Barnsley last night and and the fact that um they had uh their manager playing mind games in the run up to the game saying Swans should have finished top two, they're one of the strongest teams, we're massive underdogs, etc. Um and and while I don't disagree with the sentiment of saying Barnsley are underdogs, you know their their rise to the playoffs has been quite incredible. I don't think anyone can deny. Um, but uh, but the, the the mind game element of it to put pressure on. Well, in fact, now Barnsley are the underdogs. He claimed they were already. You know, even if we went into last night's game pointing at the siege mentality of us against the world because nobody wanted us to progress. Um, now, Barnsley will really be the underdogs, won't they? Yeah, they will. I mean, I I do get his comments and obviously why he was trying to do them, but I mean, to say that we should be top two was absolute crap. I mean, we, we definitely should not have been top two. I think mm. we, you know, we were probably a, a playoff to maybe top half side uh, expected wise. And obviously, Barnsley were expected possibly to be bottom six. So I think it's fair enough him saying that they were the underdogs, but we were not expected to get top two at all. So I don't agree with that. but I mean, as you say, now they are, they most certainly are the underdogs. Everyone does expect us to go through. It, it, it might work in their favour. We we don't know, do we? Um, we will find out. But um, you know, from our point of view, now we we just need to see the job through. Yeah, and in the other game, which uh, which Bournemouth take a slender lead, um, back to Brentford uh, for the second leg. How do you see that um, that playing out? Um, I think well, Brentford will have a go with them, and it'll probably be quite an end-to-end game. Um, it's hard to call that one. I think that'll probably be the game for the neutrals, won't it? You'd imagine. Oh yeah, I would have thought so. I mean, it'd be a surprise if that ended nil nil, wouldn't it? I think Brentford will have a go with them, and um, yeah, I honestly think that one could go either way. I think that'll be a, a good game to watch. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um. You're going to give a prediction on that one? I, I fancy uh, I fancy Bournemouth to make Wembley. I'm going to go Brentford. 
Oh, yeah. So you think it might be a Swans-Brentford final. Oh, God, can you imagine? Can you imagine we came up against uh, their yeah, most beloved no, no. manager, Thomas Frank, uh, in the final? If we win, it would be glorious. If we lost, I don't think I'd be able yeah, to live with it. Uh, we'll have this conversation next week. I think we don't want to attempt uh, fate. <laughs> no, I know. Oh, dear me. Oh, it's so nerve-wracking. But thanks for listening to everyone. We're going to wrap it up there now. We've uh, we've given a bit of a, a lowdown on uh, what we think. Um, like I say, check the Twitter account for those songs. There's tons on there. Uh, let us know if you've got any more to add to it. Um, we'll uh, pause it here before we completely jinx ourselves and uh, come back next week and hopefully be looking ahead to um, what could be a showstopper event in London and a week Saturday from now. So, fingers crossed. Come on, the Swans. Guess get over the line. And uh, if you do get a ticket, enjoy it. Make yourselves heard. Be loud, proud, and positive. And uh, from myself and Steve, thanks for listening. Cheers. Bye-bye.